I looked and behold, the heavens were open. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do or whether you're quote unquote in ministry you have a ministry as we mature we walk we we enjoy our relationship with God as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him so faith, but, so so salvation by faith absolutely salvation by faith keep zeroing in on these you know the big ideas like what is biblical love you know what is what is grace do i have an accurate understanding of god's grace our love for yeshua but his love like through us is why we're doing what we're doing and that's why it's called messiah matters August 31st, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 399, closing in on 400 shows. My name is Caleb Haig. <laughs> Caught off guard once again. I'm Rob Vanoff, sipping from my mug. You know, our uh, our stream continues to go in and out, and I've tried to get a new router, and I'm going to just have to buckle down and get an even better one. It's uh, It's been a problem, so... I apologize to anyone who's uh, trying to watch live. If I need to, I'll re-upload as always. And uh, in the next week, hopefully I'll get another router. I tried to get one. I tried. It came. I actually got two different ones, two different routers. And uh, my internet company could not figure out why it wouldn't work. So I had to send them all back. Anyway, hope you all doing well out there. What what kind of Java? Are you drinking that special stuff you were telling oh, me Oh, no, about? no, no. I'm back to the Pagan... The pagan French roast. Oh. Found it. It was delightful. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I'm just... Pagans can have skills too, you know. <laughs> Fair. Pagans can have skills. Okay. There's, let's, no, there's uh, nothing against a pagan skillful. Pagan I want craftsman. To, 
I want to jump craft right women, in. Crafts people. Here we go. Let's jump right in. Let's do this. We got new producers. Two of them, actually. Kyle Ripley is one of them. And LM. I'm still waiting for a name on LM. I don't know who LM is. So if they don't give me a name by next week, we're just going to put them down as LM. But Kyle Ripley is a, another producer. You're not in the producer credits as of right now. Um, but that will change. And you're going to hold over in through the fall credits, which is great. And uh, so, yeah, just be aware your name will be there soon. Okay, um, I want to jump right in because we got so much going on. We have we have a lot to fill this. Uh, we not enough time for everything that's on the list. And that's totally fine. It's good because uh, it always helps us think. Yeah, there's at least one more show we could do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can do show four hundred, right? Um, so uh, before we jump in. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Rob and I have been conniving together. And uh, we've, we've, we've been working hard on getting, uh, getting the Mystery Bible Theater. Yeah, day and night. Day and night we've been working to get Mystery Bible Theater 3000 up and running for you. And I think, I believe, this might happen this coming Friday. Could be. Could be. So keep your eyes open. If it does happen, now I got emails from people saying, hey, when is this going to come out? What should I be looking for? Do I have to subscribe <laughs> to something? Because we mentioned it last week and then we didn't do it. Uh, the answer is, if, if you're subscribed to Messiah Matters, then you will instantaneously be notified that there is a new video. Instantly. Right? Instantly. There Speed will be a new playlist. We'll, we'll, we'll make a new playlist. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Okay, so keep your eyes open. And uh, before we jump into anything else, our stream is still having trouble. I'm going to have to re-upload. Uh, hang on, I haven't even looked in my... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let, me just, let me just tell the people in the chat room what's going on. Uh, I'll re-upload. Re-upload the video later. Sorry. Sorry for the delay. Okay, so uh, let's move on here to, if you want to be part of this conversation, 253-465-3205. It's a message machine. You won't get us. You just get a message machine. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever. It doesn't matter. Tell us a joke, whatever you want we to do. We don't care. No. We don't care. See <laughs> no, how you get to our resource. Yeah. Yeah. See how you get to our resource.com. Oh, somebody sent me a joke. What was it? Um, oh, yeah. I'll look for it. I'll look for it while... Um, well, Rob talks about our first topic. Okay. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hang on up. just a sec. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Here's our first topic. You ready for this? Dude, Nelda. Nelda Bell. This lady has some skills in... I mean, she's a thinker, right? Are you? I mean, yes. Uh, she sent in two different... Um, two different questions. We're going to get to one of them, not the other one today, because... The other one is so in depth that Rob is going to have to go and study. Yeah, it's actually. <laughs> yeah, she put yeah. me. Go do your homework, Robbie. Yeah, exactly. It's that kind so, of thing. So Nelda writes in, and this is such a good. This is yes. I think this is what I've been trying to get at for the past hundred shows, and haven't been able to say it like this yet. The term messianic would it not also apply to all Christians, all Christian churches who believe in the Messiah? You want to start there? Go. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> that she's is right. correct. And, and I think, I think it was David Stern. And now there's more than one David Stern in the Bible world. One is the professor, I think, University of Pennsylvania, who wrote about the Midrash and everything different than the David Stern who wrote the complete Jewish Bible. I believe that David Stern, who wrote the complete Jewish Bible, uh, wrote an article, or it might be in his commentary uh, on the Bible, that says that Messianic is for Jewish believers and Christian is for Gentile believers. So he used those two words, right? Messianic and Christian to represent, in a way, the by a, a and promote a. I don't know if he would say it's bilateral ecclesiology because I think at least in the eighties, his initial thought was, I don't even know that he thought covenant obligation was Wait, a framework. Okay. I think pause. he was thinking more Jewish heritage. Okay. Pause right there because Sorry, we use, ahead. we use big words sometimes and people think that we're just trying to be smart, but this is actually a, a theological term. Bilateral ecclesiology uh, was, I think, first put forward by Mark Kinzer. Uh, it's the notion that the Gentiles are in one part of that. It's all one house. It's all God's house. He uses, I think, I think Kinzer actually uses the analogy of a duplex, that the Jews are, uh, you know, in one part of the house, the Gentiles in the Jews another. Jews own the house and are yeah. renting out the second house. <laughs> right, exactly. Renting out the but, duplex. But basically, he says the Gentiles should stay over in the Catholic Church, and the Jews should be in the Messianic synagogue. And and he has titled this Bilateral I mean, side yeah. by side, ecclesiology, but not to mix. Okay. Right. And I think that your gr groups such as FFOZ have shifted the language that I like a radial theology or something. But the idea is, is that you still have, let the Jews be good Jews. And the Christian's yeah. duty is to help Israel and to help the Jews be good Jews. And as far as the Christians, you can be Baptist, you can be Adventist, you can be Anglican, you can be Catholic, you can be Lutheran, you can be Methodist. And you know what? Just be a good whatever it is. But you're not Jewish. You're well, not I, Jewish. I, I, I agree with that. But but uh, Kinzer and others really nod the hat to the idea that the rabbinic authority that is given to the Jews is also given to the Gentiles in the form of the Pope and the, and the church councils. So in other words, like if you're going to be a good Christian... Yes, you could be a Baptist, but really you're not following the oral tradition of the Gentiles, which is the Catholic Church. Right. And in other words, anti-Protestantism. Right. There's right. an anti-Protestant stream in that view. Right. Exactly. Because Protestantism undermines, undermines the whole claim <laughs> They have to do away like for the certain Messianic Jews. And for example, that FFOZ promotes has to try. I'm losing Rob here. My internet is so bad that uh, I'm I've lost Rob. It undermines their own affirmations about themselves. So All that's right. why you have like, I think Kinzer has, he'll go to the Vatican, you know, he'll rub, right. he'll rub shoulders with like Catholic authorities because they look at him like, oh, we have this Jew who believes yeah, in and Jesus. The, and, and, the, and, the, and the Christians, uh, particularly the Catholics but of Christianity are like, oh, we're in good with the Jews now. Like we're making these connections between Jew and Gentile because we're friends with Mark Kinzer. But they, but there's an, they haven't realized the the weight of the theological 
ramifications that Kinzer's teaching anyway. Okay. So let's go back. Let's. So, okay. So the idea is, is I think it was David Stern, probably in the eighties who advocated the use of messianic this is back to Nelda's point as a term that would properly be used to describe Jewish believers in Jesus and the term Christian to describe non-Jewish believers in Jesus. And I, I, I think that's the, that's just wrongheaded. I would, it's like, yeah, that's like, that's well, that actually let's just, makes people, I think that makes people dumber. Let's just go straight to Nelda's first point. Yeah. The, the answer is yes. The term messianic should apply to all Christians because we have a messianic expectation. Yeah. And the, and the believe- word Christian applies to all messianics. Yes, exactly. However, <laughs> they're the same. The- in other words, yes, they're the, it's just the same thing in the same way that Christos is just the Greek word for Mashiach or Mashiach with that, okay. in Aramaic. Okay, well, I, I, I agree with that. With that said, it is, it is uh, we shouldn't discount the fact that people have uh, made specific theological, uh, uh, theological theologies, specific theology specific to titles, and Messianic is one of them. Now, okay, the so pro- if there's if there's such thing as messianic Judaism, is there such thing as Christian Judaism? It would be the same thing, right? Well, and that's Christian. actually that's actually the the la- the second part of her question, right? So she says, "Do we as messianic congregations become separate?" From, by the way, this is going to play into our next co- our next comment from someone on YouTube. She says, "Do we as messianic congregations become separate from?" That when we add the label Judaism to it, does that make us a sect of Judaism, such as Orthodox, Reform, or Conservative? And if it does, does that mean that we within the Messianic Judaism movement agree with the ideas within modern Judaism, that is the sages and the Talmud? This has hit on a very specific point. This is, uh, by the way, this is one of the reasons that my father, Tim Haig, who, who would certainly use the, he uses the term Messianic for himself. But he has shied away from the term Judaism. So if you look on Torah resource, the term Messianic is used quite a bit. But the term Messianic Judaism is is shied away from. It might be used once or twice, but I think it's actually shied away from in, in total. And the reason why is specifically because of this. Because... Yeah, so many people within the Messianic movement want to say, well, we're just a a sect of Judaism. And this goes back to the notion that in the first century, there was no such thing as quote-unquote Christianity. There was Judaisms, and Christianity rose as a sect of Judaism. I, I would agree with the fact that the apostles probably started as a sect or a movement, the way of following Yeshua, Jesus, and were seen as part of one of the Judaisms of the first century. But if we look at modern Judaism, if we look at the rise of Judaism after the the destruction of the temple, if we want to say that, uh, that we as believers are part of one of those, what Judaism has become, uh, then I think that that is, I'm not sure that we should be doing that. And the reason why is because Judaism as a whole is founded at this point upon the notion that Jesus, A, is not the Messiah, B, that oral Torah governs the the life of Israel, and that the sages are part of that. And there's all sorts of Kabbalistic belief. Well, and the, but here there are groups 
Messianic Jewish groups that say that they're, they lead with the idea that no, the oral Torah never condemns Yeshua. It never says that it's against the halakha to follow Yeshua. Um, you know, and so they say the oral Torah is still binding. It's binding on all Jews and, and the oral Torah's differentiation between Gen, Jew and Gentile stands. And right. that, that is even a believer in Yeshua today. If you're Jewish, then you're under that obligation to that oral tradition. And if you're not Jewish, then you all are also obligated under that definition, but you are, because that group defines you as external and you have a limited set of mitzvot and you need to submit to Jews who are the teachers of the Torah. Look, here's, so in other words, if you're if you're a non-Jewish believer in Yeshua, you can't just study Torah by yourself and and learn right. Torah or even teach Torah. You're you're automatically down on the rung, and you have to find a Jewish teacher who somehow right. has some sort of innate ability to understand the Hebrew and understand so, the Greek better than you. And, here's and the thing: able- is that, that I have really good friends, and I mean really good friends. Some of my best friends today. They associate themselves with Messianic Judaism, not just Messianic, Messianic Judaism. My father associates himself and the company that I work for and Rob works for associates itself with the term Messianic. So I'm not saying that there aren't really good people and really good believers and true believers who have associated themselves with these labels. Certainly there are. Certainly there are. And I don't want to discount anybody else's walk with the Lord in terms of discounting their own labels. However, for me personally, the, the, the issues that Nelda is bringing up have been the issues that I've attempted to work through in the past, I don't know, three or four years, which is I'm not sure that I want to associate myself personally with modern day Judaisms because I'm, I'm not sure that, that the modern day Judaisms are everything that the, the broader messianic movement thinks that it's all cracked up to be. And and we see, we're starting to see the cracks within within these uh, with the, within these terms in groups such as Itzhak Shapira, right, and uh, Joseph Good, and these guys who are attempting very very hard to follow after the rabbinic halacha, the rabbinic uh, rulings of of the later rabbis of the rabbis who come after the four hundreds, right, and so. What, what we see within these messianic groups yeah. is a move towards Kabbalah and a move towards theology that is clearly not found in scripture and that ultimately is anti-Yeshua in, in, by nature, but, but people haven't realized that it's anti-Yeshua by nature. So they're, they're globbing onto it. And I, and I have such a, a, a strong aversion to that that I've tried to distance myself from uh, those, kind of, those kind of beliefs. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. And I think a lot of, at least the people I know <laughs> in the, the the idea of trying to like, like the Shapira, for example, or the Joseph Good, they're really out making their own name. They're not, they're not really under, they're not living a life that is, that is submitted to what we would think of in the Orthodox rabbinic world where they would be, you know, they're not submitting to the oral law. They wouldn't be out doing what they're doing. What they're doing is they're just going and cherry picking things from often English translations of certain rabbinic works, and then trying to create some sort of product that will have some sizzle or sell 
um, and then they go and sell to Christians. Um, that's the way I look at it. They sell to Christians who lack the, the discernment and it do not have the refined uh, discernment or a, a you know, skill of differentiation of the word of God to, and that's a, you know, just to say, no, no, thank you. I'm not buying. Like at what point, what, what does it take for a, a Christian to be equipped enough to, to see what Nehemiah Gordon is selling and say, no, thank you. Not buying. Yeah. Or, or it's extra period. No, thank you. Not buying. Or Joseph good. No, thank you. Not buying. That's not what we see. At least what I see is like, Oh, 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 wow. That's, that's really impressive. And we want, tell us more. And it's, it's sad. Yeah, but that's, that, that is a failure on the shepherd's part also. Okay. That's a perfect segue into the next comment. Shepherds are responsible to be vigilant against a making sure the flock has fresh food and fresh water. That's good for them. It's Yeshua's flock after all, not their own. And to be, Vigilant with respect to predators, those that want to come in and tear and devour. And that's, that's what the Bible describes. Yeshua describes it that way. The apostles describe it that way. And the way things have shifted where it's like, oh, you know, these, there's every, everybody has good intentions. Oh, just a new teaching here, a new teaching there. You know, and the, that what I call the masculine responsibility, you know, to stand and fight and, and have courage and to take a stand has like been watered down. And I don't know if this is related to just the, the brutal assault on faith in our larger culture of woke of, uh, you know, the feminist movement or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'll shut up now. Caleb, you go. (laughs) No, I mean, I think you're, I think you're right. There's, there's a lot that goes into this, but I think one of the things that we're seeing is actually kind of, and I, once again, I, I really don't want to put anybody down here, but I, I think that one of the things that I've noticed within the Torah movement at large, and, and attach any label you want to that, whether it's pronomian, whether it's messianic, Hebrew roots, whatever, within the wide range of Torah observance, I've seen um, a aversion to several things. Number one, uh, an aversion to, uh, to higher education is one. Uh, another is a really low view of community and a very low view of, of leadership within community. And, uh, so I, I think that that all, this all kind of plays together. So Monica writes in, she actually, uh, so we did a uh, video, this is quite some time ago on community on, on how, and basically what we said was, uh, a person needs to be in a community, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, you need to be part of some kind of a believing community. And it, I think we were answering a question about what if there's no Torah observant communities in my area. And our, our response to that was you should find a biblically sound church. And Monica writes in and she says this, she says, okay, so you said to share whether or not we agree or disagree with what you said. So I'm saying that I disagree. Not a problem at all. I have no problem with disagreement. If I go to service, it's for three things, no particular order. Number one, worship. Number two, teaching. And number three, fellowship. Okay, we're off to a good start here with Monica. 
If I were to go to a Sunday church, which I would not, but for the sake of argument. So, okay. I think we're already now off to a bad start. Now we're off balance, right? Why wouldn't you go to a Sunday church? Is that because you don't think that there's believers there? I think the the question that instantaneously arises from such a statement is, do you think that anyone who goes to a Christian church is not a believer? So anyone in the Christian church, not a believer. If the answer to that is yes, then I think that we have deeper issues uh, in reading the Bible. Like if the answer is yeah, the every yes, everyone that goes to a Christian church is not a believer, then then I think we have bigger issues that would need to be addressed. If the answer is no, there are, there are believers within the Christian church, then the question that I would have is, why would you be against going and trying to fellowship with fellow believers who are going to be in the kingdom with you? Whether we agree on everything or not, here's the thing. I can guarantee you, if I go to a Messianic congregation or a Hebrew Roots congregation, I'm going to disagree on some major issues. No, I can say that no matter what, no matter what the congregation is, I'm going to disagree right? There are going to be disagreements. So we're not going to always disagree, or we're not going to always agree 100% with people, fellow believers on, on theology. So why would you be against going and fellowshipping with believers? Okay, let's keep going. So um, if I were to go to a Sunday church, which I would not, but for the sake of argument, I would not be in agreement with the teachings. That is a very broad statement. It would be difficult to have fellowship as most of the people would be in disagreement with me and would likely be trying to convince me that I'm wrong because all that's been done away with. Now, the statement, all that's been done away with, I'm sure is a reference to the Torah. However, I think that this is coming at the idea of faith and community from the wrong perspective. Whether or not a person celebrates the Sabbath on, on a Sunday or a Saturday, or whether or not a person believes the Sabbath has been done away with and fulfilled in Christ or not, Let's look at the foundational issues first. Do they believe that Yeshua, that Jesus is the only way of salvation? Do they believe in a 66 book canon? Do they believe in salvation by faith alone? Do they believe in, I mean, the list goes on. There's all these foundational issues. If we can say yes, 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 then I think that the issues of Sabbath, kosher, and festivals, are they important? Absolutely they are. But they are not at the forefront of this is why we believe. They are, a, they are a result of our belief. Right. I, I would, in other words, here's what I'm hearing you say, Caleb, is this. I would rather go to a, a Sunday church that believes in the 66-book canon and believes in the triune God and believes in justification by faith, etc., than to go to a home Sabbath Hebrew roots where every, where half the people think Yeshua is a man. Some people are wanting to quote the rabbis all the time and they're debating calendar issues endlessly and using faux folk, folk Hebrew because no one's really learned Hebrew and are bad mouthing Christians. Right. I would absolutely choose the Sunday church. We did the other. We chose the Sunday church over the other. My but, fam but on the other hand, though, would you say there are deal breakers? Like, yes. Like, for example, let's say they had a woman pastor. Out. Okay. So here, here's maybe a response to this. Who, what's the name? Monica. Monica. Thank you for the, for the comment. 
I would just say, it sounds like what you're, you're coming across really hard on, and maybe it sounds like you're group using crayons or Duplo Legos where you could go back and, and maybe give a more careful sketch of what you mean. Maybe you mean there are certain deal breakers, certain um, uh, convictions that are non-negotiable for me and that I would have to figure out and, and carefully think and navigate, which if I were to visit a church, what it would have to look like and on what terms I, I okay. would be more comfortable talking along that line. So here's the thing is that I, I completely agree with you. When we, when we started looking for a congregation, there were deal breakers. What were some, what? And, well, hang on. There were deal deal breakers and wants. Okay, cool. So deal breakers were, they had to believe in a 66 book canon. They had to believe in the Trinity. Okay. They, I wanted a place. This was a deal breaker for me. I needed a place that had expository preaching. That means that they go through the Bible, you know, each, they're going to go through verse by verse. It's they're not, not going to do, pick, right. Yeah. They're not cherry picking in topical preaching because I believe that the word of God is important. <clears throat> and I needed a place that actively, this might sound weird, but for me, the fourth deal breaker was I needed a church that actively uh, participated in church discipline. And what I mean by that is willing to excommunicate someone and or put someone under church discipline. And the reason why is because that tells me multiple things, but it says that there is a standard and that standard is the word of God. If they're not practicing church discipline, then you have the ability for homosexuals, for adulterers, for all these different people within the community. And I don't believe that that is what the Bible teaches. So those were the four deal breakers for me. Some of the wants were, and this is these were wants, I didn't want smoke machines. I didn't want the pastor to have skinny jeans. I didn't want modern Christian music. Okay. And, and there's reasons for all of this. I think that the um, idea of smoke machines says that we're, we're here more for a show than we are for uh, actual worship. Now, this wasn't a deal breaker for me because I know that there are people who have, you know, that experiential worship service that still love the Lord. So it wasn't a deal breaker, but it was a want. The skinny jeans on the pastor usually tells me that the pastor is really worried about how they look and above how Christ looks. Now that's not always the case. It's not always the case. So once again, it wasn't a deal breaker, but it was certainly uh, it was it was something that I was definitely wanting. I'm gonna, I don't have to start looking at jeans now. I really have. To. Yeah, I, I I would love to see you a picture, uh, see a picture in in skinny jeans. Anyway, maybe that's what Rob will do for uh, show 400. He'll wear skinny no, jeans. No, I don't want to um, do that. And then finally, you know, the idea of of um, what was the last one that I said? You said uh, wants and deal. You said non, yeah. you know, deal breakers and wants. You said uh, you want you had wants about music. You had wants about. Oh, can, yeah. Contemporary uh, worship music. I'm not saying yeah. that there isn't, I'm not saying there isn't good. Well, for, I'm not saying that people don't find themselves liking modern day Christian music. I am not one of those people. I really dislike modern day Christian music almost as a whole. There's maybe a couple of songs that I like, um, but for the most part, I wanted something like hymns because I wanted. I thought the theology is going to be good in the, in the hymns for the most part, and um, it's not about the production of it. It's more about the words that and the worship of it. And so, 
guess what? The uh, second church that we uh, that we looked at had all of the wants, including sola, the five solas written all over the church, and a couple other. You know, they're reformed, so that was a that was a high up on the wants, but not necessarily. But yeah, and but they had all of the all of the wants as well. You know, our pastor wears a suit every single Sunday. That I could I could rave for days about where the Lord has placed us right now. It's it, it's a miracle in my mind, and it's wonderful. But the point is, is that there are deal breakers. So, going back to Monica's comment here, listen to what she says. Though she says, "I would be unlikely to enjoy their form of worship." That is, uh, if if someone was trying to convince her that she was wrong, I certainly want wouldn't want to be singing hymns. And I prefer praise and worship, both songs and prayers slash blessings in Hebrew. Now, I don't know Monica, and you know what? She could be a native Hebrew, you know, she could be from Israel. I don't know. Maybe she's from Israel. Maybe that, you know, her her mother tongue is, is Hebrew. But I would bet that that is not the case. And the... This always baffles me about the about the Torah movement is that people place this idea that Hebrew is a better language when they don't understand Hebrew. So I'm not saying that this is Monica. I'm just saying in general, I've noticed this within the Torah movement, which is that people think that something is holier about Hebrew. And so they want their prayers and their songs in Hebrew, even though they don't know what in the world they're saying in their prayers and their songs. And to me, this is ridiculous. I don't get it. Now, to Monica, if if you are a native Hebrew speaker, okay, I understand that, but I don't know if you're going to find that even in a Hebrew roots messianic uh, setting uh, all the time either. You're going to English is going to be there. I don't know why you wouldn't want hymns. Hymns tend to not all of them, but many hymns have unbelievable theology within them. Oh, wonderful theology! Yeah. So again, I would just I would just say thank you, Monica for bringing all this up. I think it's a great topic. And it sounds like both Caleb and I, for whatever worth our two cents, our opinion is worth, we're coming back, pushing back a little bit to say, hey, go back to the drawing board and do kind of like what Caleb described. Be real clear, for, forget about that it's a, a Sabbath or a Sunday church. Assume assume that there are there are is a community of believers somewhere that would fit your core you know, that wouldn't have any of your main deal breakers and would have some of your wants. But, but Rob, don't you think that that's, I mean, this is one of the things that I think is the problem with people, with a lot of people within the Torah movement is that they've made their wants into deal breakers. And I think we see a lot of them here. That's that's fair. That's fair. We We see a lot of them here in, in the, in the mess, Mm. in this message. She doesn't want hymns. She wants all of her prayers and singing and prayers and, and her singing in Hebrew uh, these are all wants. These have, this is, I, I don't understand. That. She, uh, she says that she wouldn't like the teaching. Well, how do you know that you wouldn't like the teaching? In the, uh, you know, in the almost six months that we've been at our church, uh, there's been two comments from the pulpit that I've thought, mm, no, I, d- I don't think I agree with that. Two in six months. That tells me that I agree overwhelmingly with the teaching, then I disagree with it. Right. I mean, so the point here is simply that I, I think that the people 
rest their faith many times within the Torah movement on the idea that the Sabbath, the festivals, and the kosher laws are the end-all, be-all of it. It is my, that is my theology. Now, I'm not saying that those aren't important. I think that they are important. And to be honest with you, I think that if uh, those of us who are, are attempting to worship and be with fellow believers who, are, you know, a Sunday setting and a Sunday church, you know, we do have to, na- there's no doubt, we have to navigate how are we going to celebrate the festivals with our children? How are we going to show our kids that th- this is important to us? I, ha- I mean, I'm not discounting the fact that it's difficult to, to, to navigate those kind of things. But the idea that we're going to discount any church, <laughs> that there's no churches out there um, that because of, of these three things is a little weird. Now, she, she goes on, she asks a question. She says, um, I have a question. Uh, you said something about it being clear in Scripture that we are to go to, the, to a congregation on a regular basis. Other than the three annual pilgrims, pilgrimage fest, feasts, can you please share the Scriptures you're referring to that, we seem to that would seem to mandate more than that? I'm not suggesting it's wrong to go frequently, but I don't see the Father laying that out as a requirement. So please help me out. Yeah, so uh, within the Torah, you cannot... Keep the Torah unless you're in a community. That's number one. Number two, uh, the Sabbath itself is called a mikrachodesh, a holy gathering. So Leviticus 23. Now people are going to push against that and say, "Well, you're saying go to a Sunday church, not a, a Shabbat church." Uh, what I'm saying is, is that if there is uh, there are no believers who are able to worship with you on on Shabbat, uh, or if you know. One option is to try to find believers who at least believe in scriptural truth, and then fellowship with them. Um, I agree that if you can find a Sunday church that has a Saturday service or a Saturday night service, by all means, that's, I mean, I'm not discounting the fact that uh, that the Sabbath is called a mikrachodesh. However, in Hebrews, it says, do not neglect the gathering together as many have done. So we have built upon... And Yesh- it says Yeshua's custom was to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Right. And so that's that that's the ideal that is for our good the sabbath was made for us you know and and if yeshua is going and fellowshipping now of course he ended up becoming a teacher and was teaching on the sabbaths Um, well but we have to i mean back to those must-haves in a congregation the reason that i said uh church discipline is because once again you cannot keep torah Unless you're being held accountable. Part of the Torah is being held accountable. And you can't be held accountable unless you're in a community. I'm, I met a guy, this is a little bit off subject, but I met a guy one time. He told me he wasn't going to a community, but that his family and him got together. So he would just bring his family around, a large family, but they would just get together and, and uh, they would read scripture and sing. And I said, well, that's great, but you're not ever going to be held accountable. He said, oh, yeah, my, my family will hold, hold me accountable. No, they won't. If dad is, the, is in charge of the family and is pushing, you know, it's his way or the highway, and he's doing something wrong, and the family comes and says, you're doing something wrong, he's going to say, no, I'm not. It doesn't work like that. You need a community to be able to discipline uh, people who think that they're in charge, which is one reason that we, uh, that was another must, was multiple eldership. Not a single, a single oh, elder. Plurality, yeah, plurality, yeah. yeah, eldership, yeah. Okay, should we move on? Sure. Let's move on. We got 20 minutes left. 
Um, Jay says this. He says, hi. I have been a longtime listener to Messiah Matters and have uh, been a consumer of Tor Resource Institute materials. I really appreciate the work that you guys are doing. I have been considering advancing in my studies uh, and like how you and Rob stress good scholarship. I've considered seminary institutions, but shy away because they are not pronomian. That's pro-law for people who don't know. I feel like I would be learning in a potentially hostile environment and with a skew toward antinomian theology, anti-law theology, just a, a, a continuation of what comes from the modern day pulpit. I wondered if you might share your thoughts on your decision to pursue deeper study at a Baptist seminary. Perhaps I am looking at things incorrectly and would benefit from your thinking. Now, I actually responded to this gentleman uh via email and told him some of the thoughts that I had on, on this. I wanted to bring this up specifically so that Rob could give his views on higher education and uh, why he thinks it would be important. I'll, I'll chime in too. I'll chime in too. Is that a, is that a handoff? It is. (laughs) Okay. Great. What was it? Sorry. Jay. Jay. Thanks Jay. I would say go for it. I would say, um, Again, just it's really similar in a way to Monica's uh, comments in that you're in a situation where you're looking to larger culture and larger expressions of faith that has been institutionalized, and you're trying to decide and evaluate, um, you know, are you going to be asked to go against your own conscience? Right. Are you, is there somehow, and that, that might be at the core of Monica's thing. She, she doesn't want to go against her own conscience. She's not against meeting with other believers. I don't sure. really believe that she's just concerned about that. And, and, and she holds very, her faith, very, uh, you know, that it's precious and she wants to guard and protect it. I'm a fan of that. I think that's awesome. And so right. I, I see Jay and Monica sharing this same kind of, uh, uh, deal. Um, that <laughs> uh oh what did i do no it just reminded me of an old uh Thelonious monk video he's a piano player and he's like a brilliant but there's times where like <laughs> he gets so far out he just gets up and walks away from the <laughs> piano and he starts turning circles and stuff like when the when the bass player is taking a solo and then it's like so it comes i'm, I'm letting you solo brother i'm letting you solo go for it <laughs> i know it's funny you're felonious you're monk um the uh <laughs> sorry i see that i see that as a commonality between monica's comments and jay's comments the idea is I need to, I'm looking at larger institutions that are out there that are older than me, that have some kind of roots in some theological traditions. And I'm not against, you know, I believe there's believers in there. Maybe I can benefit, but I'm a little scared about it because I don't want to be asked to compromise my own integrity or go against my conscience of what I believe, what I'm convicted of by the word. Um, uh, and, and I don't want, and there, I don't get that either of them are looking for a fight. I don't get that Monica's look, she's not looking for a fight to sure. a theological argument. Neither is Jay. So I think those are both good. I, I see those things as both good. And I would encourage Jay in the same way that we talked about Monica's comments is decide your goal. Like, like it might be language oriented, you know, like I want to do languages or it might be, I want to do history. And of course, with history, you'd have to need some language, but it wouldn't be maybe 
you know, I want to, I want to be able to do the expositional preaching that Caleb's talking about. I want to be able to read the word of God and, you know, prepare a message based on, you know, immersion in the original text and be able to have a competent uh, opinion about translations, you know, this ESV versus NIV or NASB or whatever net Bible. I want to be able to like look at where they disagree and then have a, an informed opinion as to why I agree with the NASB or the other or whatever. So that, that a, that's an awesome aspiration. I think the Bible is like, you know, there's all sorts of verses we could find that are, supportive and encouraging for someone who wants to pursue excellence in the word of God. So, but, sure. but anyway, you're, you're going to take some time, pray about it, decide, you know, as much as you can and caveat on that is sometimes we don't know. Sometimes you just need to jump in and you start learning and then you kind of find, you know what, I really, I didn't know about this area and I want to zoom in on this, you know? So then that was my educational process. So, a, you got to trust God. You got to trust that he's the one that is giving you this desire to learn and grow. And that's, and that it's good. And that you seek, like it says, you know, where there's a multitude of counsel, wisdom is not lacking. You've reached out to us. I imagine there's other people in your life, elders at your local community you've reached out to, and you've gotten feedback and you're going to have to just take all this in and sit with it and pray. But all that being said, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing wrong with going to a seminary if they've got, you know, look at the teachers, pull up their faculty page. You know, if it's, if it's someone who's got a diploma mill, you know, doctorate or something, I would say, eh. um, but see, you know, well, okay. Hang I, on. Okay. I'll stop. You talk, Caleb. So, so here, here's the, here's the thing is that for, for me, uh, I, I don't think that people should think that they're going to seminary so that the seminary can agree with them. Right. Good. That's, that, that, that's not the point. In fact, what seminary is doing mm -hmm. is providing a place for people to have differing opinions on the Bible, not outside of the realm of, uh, uh of the, the foundational, right. That Yeshua is Lord and and usually most seminaries will make you sign some form of a faith statement that has the basics of you know Trinitarianism or something to that effect. But ultimately, the point is is that my father is a perfect example of this. You know, my the, the seminary my father went to when he wrote his thesis on uh, they they didn't like where he was going with it. They didn't like some of his the theology within there, and so there were certain people who said we don't want him to graduate. And ultimately, the president of the seminary and and uh, the board said no no no. He's created a good argument. You might not agree with the argument, but he's created a good argument, and he has dealt with the text whether you like it or not. And so he was able to graduate with that. The, the point here is, is that th this was back in the seventies, by the way, now that we're in in the 2020s, um, I think that things have moved quite a bit. I'm not going to seminary so th that my teachers will agree with me that they should keep the Sabbath. I'm going to seminary so that I can learn how to uh, deal with the languages, how to uh, research and how to write and how to study and how to do all these things biblical in a, in a biblical context so that I can actually uh, put together arguments and, and learn how to do research. That is what they're teaching me. I have not faced one in, now, I've been going to school for a year. I have not been in one class where I've heard anything that I 
was like, well, this is a huge problem or I'm going to have to fight over this or anything. I've never been, there's been nothing like that. Um, in fact, what I've learned is that, uh, I am not, I mean, I've not come to seminary with the notion that I'm there to teach anyone. I've come to seminary with the understanding that I am very much there to learn from them and they have something to teach me. What I, I just want to say, Caleb, I really admire what you're doing. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And I'm a, I'm a Caleb fan. Oh, thanks but Rob. Because what, especially, you know, Caleb has grown up. She, he, he, she, sorry, you're not going by she, are you? No, he, he has grown <laughs> up, pronouns you know, are. eat, drink, sleep, work, tour resource. Like, and so all the more admiration to say, look, there's no one's going to be able to say, Oh, Caleb's just biased towards this institution because he went out and did the work in an independent, um, and, and, and what challenged himself, which is awesome. You know, that, that takes, that takes grit, that takes, you know, perseverance, a lot of hard work. Um, and to, to get that in an external you know, second witness kind of environment that's completely independent. Respect, homie, respect. Thank you, sir. I I mean, the experience that I've had thus far, I would recommend to anyone who is interested in the Bible, anyone, because I think that it is extremely beneficial to be able to spend time in the Word, understand the history of the Word, and to understand how to handle the Word. I, I, I have found it uh, very, very valuable. Okay, let's move on. Corden writes in, and this is what we were trying to get to last week. We never got to it. Corden writes in, he says, I know there is a lot out there, and sometimes things are good, and sometimes things can border on the fence, and sometimes things can go outside and break the Sabbath. So we're centering this comment uh, within the Sabbath uh, conversation. What is lawful on the Sabbath? When Colossians 2.16 talks about judgment on the Sabbath, we know this is in light of how one does the Sabbath to not be judged upon. However, oftentimes people either make it a day of rest and enjoyment and others make it into a legalistic practice. And I would like someone to talk more into detail of this. I know there are things that are on another ministry like 119, but is there a fine line or a broad line when it comes to the Sabbath? And I think there are many that are either that either don't know or are unaware of uh, when it comes to the Sabbath. Okay, so this is a great question. This comes. Let's just bring the let's bring the the uh, comment down a little bit into more bite size. What is lawful on the Sabbath? How do I know what is lawful on the Sabbath? <clears throat> That's ultimately the question. Uh, and so people might say, well, what do you mean? That seems like a silly question. It's not a silly question. There's, there's tons that could be said. Are we allowed to use our computers? Can, should we let our kids watch movies or TV? Uh, you know, if we go the orthodox direction, should we uh, turn on lights? Should we drive a car? Should we, I mean, there's all sorts of, and these debates rage among not only oh, Torres. I, I remember, people, you know, there's been times for Oneg people stop by Little Caesar's Pizza or stop by Costco. I mean, it, I kind of chuckle, but they're like, oh, we're going to swing by Costco and get a couple baked chickens right, and bring it to the lunch. And so people are like, uh, and so even within a single community, you can have that kind of difference. Yeah. 
And and, we, and we've had people we've tried to share with people like that about that, and it's like, oh, you're being legal. So you get people who don't really think the that it's obligatory, right? So different opinion, different opinions in how to keep Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ultimately I think that, uh, you know, that one of the things that I, that I say is that if the Torah says it, it's obvious. And if the apostolic scriptures or the, the rest of the Tanakh says it, then we should follow that as well. Obviously, if the scripture says it, do it. And people are going to say, well, how do you know? So for instance, Buying and selling is never laid out in the Torah that you're not allowed to buy and sell. However, this is found in the prophets, right? Jeremiah, um, I think. Jer- Jeremiah. Yeah, and and other places. So, so the the point here is is that uh, is that it, it we find within Scripture different prohibitions when it comes to the Sabbath, but ultimately, outside of like buying and selling and working, and we could even say, well, what constitutes work? You know, I sit at a desk all day long. So on the Sabbath, if I want to go out and, uh, you know, till my garden, that's not my job. Is that work? Right. And so uh, there's just, and here's the thing that I have noticed, even among, about myself. Okay. So this is not a dig on anyone. Uh, Even when it comes to me, I want very specific, clear cut, black and white. Here is what you can't, I want a list. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. And guess what? The Orthodox Jewish communities have created those lists. You can do all these things. You can't do all these things. Here are the situations when you can pick up a couch on the Sabbath. Here are the situations when you can't pick up a couch on the Sabbath. The problem is, is that these are all all extra biblical commands. They're not found within the scriptures. And so the question that ultimately has to be asked about that is, did God want specific commands? Did he want people laying out the lists? And I think the answer is no. And why would I say that? Well, I think that each community has to, when it comes to things that are not laid out in the Bible, like buying and selling or like uh, doing your Mm -hmm. day-to-day job, I think that the Torah is a living, breathing thing. Within Judaism, there is a saying, ask your local rabbi. And I think that this ultimately is kind of, once again, going back to the need for community. This is one of the things that we have to uh, work out within our own communities. And also within our own families. And what I mean by that is there might be things that I disagree with in terms of, well, the community says um, that you can go buy and sell on the Sabbath, but I disagree with that because the scriptures. Okay. Or maybe things that aren't so cut and dry. You know, the, man, this is, it's, it's hard to even make analogies like this because within my own family and within my own community, there, there are laid out things that we do and we don't do. My family does not go spend money. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't show up places where other people aren't show, are, are spending money. I just won't spend money. I'm not going to try to regulate my laws upon other people. So there's been times where you know, a function has been going on. We felt like it was important. We went to it. Other people are spending money or whatever, and we just haven't. And we look like the odd man out. And I actually think that that's kind of the point. The point of the Sabbath is for us to give time to God, but it's also to separate us from those who are not keeping the covenant. And so ultimately, I think that the laws that you're going to follow concerning the Sabbath are going to be put forward by your community and or your family. And these are things that need to be locked down, especially if you have young children locked down before they get older. My son, well, you know, uh, there was an instance where there was an appointment that could only be made on the Sabbath. Now, granted, my son is very intelligent, and he didn't want to go to this appointment. <laughs> and so 
he quickly picked up on the fact that it was going to be on Saturday. He said, now, no, it's the Sabbath. We shouldn't be doing this on the Sabbath, should we? And of course, his arguments won over and we said, yeah, you're probably right. So we canceled the appointment. But the, but the point is, is that, uh, is that we need to be able to have, have our standard for our family, for our communities, so that when those standards are broken, we know, no, this is not acceptable. We don't spend money on the Sabbath or we don't go here or we don't do this or, or we do do this, those things. I think that they come down to specific family and community. Rob? Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. We got to uh, it's personal conviction. It, it comes back to the same thing that we saw with the other. It's a theme, I guess, today. We grow at different rates. We have convictions that we develop and we learn, we need to learn to communicate them and identify the deal breakers from the wants like you brought up and we can't, but to me, in my view, I, I came out of a church tradition, right? And so I'm not, I can't be with people who are bad mouthing the church right? Uh, in broad brushstrokes, you know? And so, um, and, and the commandment, the greatest commandment to love one another means we bear that there's, there's a time where we're bearing, um, that, um, that, uh, the differences, we're bearing the, the differences where we might view something maybe a little more stringent than somebody else. And we can seek to gently um, say, you know, like, it, like in our experience, we were talking about, you know, trying to gently talk about, you know, we're, we, we are discouraging people from spending money on the Shabbat. We're discouraging, you know, please, please don't stop by McDonald's. I mean, we seriously have people show up with bags with McDonald's and shakes, you know, and then they sit and eat their lunch with everybody else. And, and in their mind, they're doing something right. Exactly. They're like, this is the Sabbath. They're here. They're, you know, they want to worship. And so gently bringing that up. And we've had it go different ways where it's like, you know, you shall not judge a person. Like they quote the Colossians in the opposite meaning that, that in other words, we're doing this because it just helps us kind of tap into this messianic Jewish world, but it's not really ours. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, we need to lead with love and mercy and um, recognize that it's imperfect, but, but knowing that it's imperfect doesn't mean we don't advocate for what we, what we are. We don't, it doesn't mean we don't advocate for our convictions. And to try or, to advi- or advocate for what the Bible clearly says. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. Convictions based on, with the biblical foundation. A conviction that's not based on the Bible, I, I'm not really interested in. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I mean, I, I, when I was growing up, I had symphony practice Saturday mornings, 8 o'clock. And my parents didn't see a problem with that. I'd go to symphony practice. I would have symphony practice for two hours. I'd get done. I'd come outside. My mom would pick me up. We'd go to we'd go to the Messianic synagogue. That's what we did. And uh, there are people I know who have said absolutely not, no extra activities on the Shabbat except for going to service. You go to service. You stay at home. You pray. You read your Bible. That's it. So I mean, th- those are two ends of the spectrum, right? 
And uh, so maybe I was raised in a little bit looser uh, understanding of what was allowed on the Shabbat. And that's probably carried over into my family's observance of the Shabbat as well. We don't spend money, um, but that doesn't mean that we uh, aren't willing to do stuff to get together with people and to, you know, to, to fellowship with people, even people who are not Sabbatarians. Right. Uh, and, and we do that quite often, actually. <clears throat> Since we go to a Sunday church, we have tried very hard to maintain um, fellowship with people, whether they're Torah observant or not, on Saturdays. So oftentimes we have people over, sometimes from our church, sometimes from you know friends who used to go to our uh, previous fellowship, um, people from out of town. I mean, there, there's all kinds of different things that we'll try to do on the Shabbat to try to gather with people who are fellow believers, whether or not they agree that the Sabbath is on Saturday or not. And so uh, those are those are so you know another uh, just one final uh, little story on this, and then then we'll be done. But the uh, the congregation that I that I uh, used to pastor, we had a disagreement among some of the congregants on whether or not it was okay to ha- to to light a bonfire on the Shabbat. And my position was the the scriptures clearly say not to kindle a fire on the Shabbat. And the opposing view said, well, yes, but to kindle a fire on the Shabbat clearly is in reference to cooking and that women should get a break too. And so it's not really about lighting a fire. It's really about making, letting women rest. That was the opposing view. Now I still maintain that I will not light my barbecue on the Shabbat. That's just something I don't do, and, and it's something that I've always uh, held to. However, that just shows the wide range of belief within the Torah movement. Now, some people will point to that and say, ah, see, this is why you need the rabbis. But once again, I think that this comes down to the the beautiful fact that the Torah is a living, breathing thing, and that the Levites were supposed to administer the Torah within your your towns. So... All right. It's been fun. It's been real. I apologize to everyone who tried to watch live. I actually ended the live stream probably about, I don't know, 40 minutes ago because it was so, my internet was so choppy. I apologize. I'm going to try to get a new router very soon here. I just got to find one that will work with my internet company. And uh, yeah, uh, we have more to talk about. Also, if you're watching this before Friday, keep an eye open on our YouTube channel, uh, for Mystery Bible Theater 3000. I hope that we will upload one this this week. And uh, if you want to uh, help provide content for this show, suggest uh, topics or have questions, please give us a call, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegatorahresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torahresource.com. Please subscribe. It does help us. I know that sounds weird, but it does help. All right. Uh, let me just find my outro music. Here we go. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Oh, 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 oh,